Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hey, Alarmy, before we dive into this episode, we want to make sure that you've heard the big news. The Alarmist has joined Patreon. We'll still be putting out two episodes a week wherever you get your podcasts, so don't panic. Patreon subscribers will get access to our content ad-free, as well as be able to listen to our discussion and final verdict in our Aftermath episodes. We'll also be putting out additional bonus content and other fun stuff. So come join us at patreon.com slash The Alarmist. We'll also include a link to the Patreon in our show description. So join us on Patreon. We're excited to have you come on board. And now on to our episode. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we're speaking with guest expert Patricia Ruby Powell. Patricia is the author of Loving versus Virginia, a documentary novel of the landmark civil rights case. Let's hear what she has to say about Loving v. Virginia. Hi, Patricia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, first, I, I was wondering if you could give us a little backstory on Richard and Mildred Loving. Who were they? How did they meet? When did they get married? Richard Loving is a white man who lived in Central Point, a tiny little area that you can't even find on the map in Virginia, uh, north of Richmond, southeast of Fredericksburg. And Mildred Jeter was a Black woman, Black and Indian woman. They lived in the same neighborhood, a very integrated neighborhood and a completely segregated state. So they grew up together. Uh, Richard was good friends with her 
big brothers who were had these very colorful names. They were called Ducci and Buttons and Otha. And uh, he met Mildred when she was about 11 and he was 17. And some years later, they began to date and then married in 1958. But they were living in the neighborhood together, although they went to separate schools, you know, very segregated schools. She went to a one-room school, and he went to the white schools, Sparta Elementary, and then the, uh, I'm not sure what the high school is called. And and when did their legal troubles start? How, How were they actually tracked down? They married in June of 1958, and five weeks later, They married in Washington, D.C., where it was legal in those days. It was not legal in um, about 17 states. And Virginia was one of those 17 states. So they get married in Washington, D.C., come back home, and they're arrested in bed five weeks later by um, Garnett Brooks, Sheriff Garnett Brooks and his entire force, which is two other police officers, and they take them to jail. And Richard gets out of the little local um, Bowling Green prison, the little town nearby where they were first went to court and where they were imprisoned. And Mildred stayed in prison for five days. She was pregnant. There was one um cell for a woman and they the the white prison keepers taunted her and you know for instance i think this is in my book it's hard to remember when you do so much research you know more than what is in the book mm-hmm. <clears throat> but he brought a white inmate the guard brought a white inmate past her upstairs cell and said i'm going to send him in there with you so she had to have been absolutely terrified this was, you know, 1958. And then they uh, they pleaded not guilty. They had a suspended sentence. They had to leave Virginia. They moved to Washington, D.C. and lived with um, her cousin and husband. And uh, they would try to come back to Central Point to see their families because these people were very much rural people and they wanted their rural lifestyle. And they were threatened to be um, imprisoned again. It was their understanding that they could come back. Their lawyer had said, you can come back for visits as long as you don't cohabit, as long as you don't sleep together. Mm-hmm. But that turned out to be wrong. And uh, Leon Vazil, who was the the judge in their case, threatened to um, imprison them again. But their lawyer um, said, no, just go. I will I will take care of this for you. And they went back to um, to Washington, D.C., where they were unhappily living. Mm. And it was some years later, probably in 1963, I think, that, um, you know, the civil rights uh, movement was was, you know, revving up. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about the political climate uh, during that time? Yeah, well, okay, so let's go back to the 50s. So we haven't really cu- quite gotten to the 60s yet. Brown versus Board of Education was ruled in 1955, but that doesn't mean that people, you know, that, that the schools were instantly 
integrated. It took a long time. And in Virginia in particular, there was something called the massive resistance and they closed down all the schools so they wouldn't have to admit black people into the white schools. Mm. And, um, and so, and then there were the freedom riders happening and the sit-ins and a lot was happening. Mildred and Richard weren't political. They weren't really aware of these things, particularly at the beginning. Mildred would eventually politicize much more than um, Richard did. But uh, still, they were under the radar. It wasn't um, important to them. They never wanted to be activist celebrities at all. But um, they were living, you know, in all this this mess and chaos, and LBJ signed the um, the rights act, the Civil Rights Act, and um, Mildred was aware of it. She saw it on TV, and her cousin, with whom she lived, said, "Write to Bobby Kennedy. He is the Attorney General. He's there to help you." It was a slightly naive depiction of how politics worked, but. Mm-hmm. She wrote to the attorney general's office and she got a message back, um, perhaps not from Robert Kennedy, saying, uh, go to the ACLU. So she contacted the ACLU, which was a tiny little office in both, um, I think, Fredericks, Virginia, Fredericksburg, Virginia, and in D.C. One lawyer, brand new lawyer, Bernie Cohen. And uh, she brought her case to Bernie, who had been a lawyer all of, you know, 10 minutes by that time, at that (laughs) early time. And uh, actually, he said, uh, could you come in to my office in Virginia? And she said, no, we will be arrested. And he, you know, apologized and said, "Okay, I've got a tiny little office in D.C. Come to that office. So eventually she and Richard, she always had to talk Richard into doing these uh, political things, but they went to Bernie Cohen's office and Bernie Cohen says, you know, he, he loved them. You know, first of all, their name was Loving and that was the heart of the case. So he, he loved everything about this quiet, unassuming, humble, couple. They were not combative at all. And they were just very sweet, soft, gentle people. And so he said, okay, what we have to do is we have to get this case back into the courts. If you and Richard go back to Virginia together and get rearrested, we can get it back in the in the courts. And Mildred and Richard went, no way, no way. <laughs> So he went back to work and he worked long and hard and um, it took him, um, we're talking months, years uh, to say he found a precedent in a case saying that because it was a suspended sentence that had been handed down to them, it was still in the rest of the court. Mm. And so uh, Bernie Cohen went back to um Judge Leon Bazile, who is a very racist man and judge, and said, will you look at this case again and would you um, would you be able to judge it in 
their favor and Judge Basile stalled and stalled and stalled. And so eventually, um, Phil Hirschkopf joined Bernie Cohen in this fight, and he was an even more brand new lawyer, um, just <clears throat> had taken his bar and passed. And uh, the two of them got you know support from older, more experienced lawyers. And they said, what you need to do is you need to have a three-judge panel. So they pulled together or got the court system to pull together a three-judge panel to uh, take it back into the courts, take the case back into the courts. And the judge, you know, and this what this panel did was say, yes, Leon Basile, you have to um, make a judgment on this. And in the 11th hour, he did. We're now several years into this. Uh, I, I don't have a timeline in front of me, but let's say we're at 65 or 66 at this time. And Judge Basile, he wanted to retire. He wanted to retire before any of this could go to court. He just wanted it to go away, but it wasn't going away. And so he wrote this long uh, statement. Famously, he said, Almighty God created the races, black, red, yellow, and melee, and uh, put them on separate Continents. I'm paraphrasing this. This isn't exactly, you know, what he said, but real close. And if it weren't for the intervention of that, um, there would be no such issue of intermarriage uh, cases. And so it was horrific. And it gives because I have written a documentary novel, which means that the um, the fiction in my very nonfiction novel is that I tell it in the voices of Mildred and Richard. Mm. And so this allows Mildred to say, that Judge Basile, doesn't he know anything? Um, black people were stolen from one continent uh, and the white stole the red, you know, he's using his words, the red people's you know, nation. What do you mean? You know, it, it didn't make sense. So it was sort of a nice way to lay it out for a young audience as to how she might have seen it. And in the long run, that very racist statement by Judge Leon Basile actually worked in their favor in the long run. It helped get the case back in the court. I mean, Judge Basile was referring to um, cases that happened in the 18th century. And he said this was not unusual and cruel punishment. Uh, being uh, dismembered would be cruel and unusual punishment, not being told you can't live in Virginia. So he was really out of touch with society. He was old. He was racist. And he was done. So the case went to um, an appeals court in Virginia and Judge Carrico uh, ruled. And he he said, yep, the Constitution holds up. You may not live together in um, in Virginia. And by this oh. time, they were pleading guilty because, yes, they had married. They were inter a interracial couple. Mildred was black. Richard was white. And so, yes, that is what they were guilty of. Mm. But Judge Carrico took uh, some sympathy into the case. And he said, 
Uh, you may not move back to Caroline County, which is where they came from, but you may go to one of the adjoining counties, Essex County or King and Queens County. And of long, as long as things don't get fired up and you know heated up in the case, you will not get arrested. Hmm. You may come back with your family. They now had three children. But if things do get heated up and you do get arrested, we vow to get you out of prison within an hour. Wow. And so they wanted to come back badly enough that they rented a farmhouse in King and Queens County. They still had problems because Mildred tried to take their oldest son, Sidney, across the county line to Essex County, and she was warned that she would not be welcomed in that county. So they had to take Sydney out of school and find a school much farther from their home to enroll Sydney so that he could go to school in King and Queen County. Wow. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. As the case goes on uh, and it reaches the Supreme Court, what what are the Loving's lawyers how do they present it to the courts? And, and and then how did the state of Virginia respond to their argument? Well, um, they use the 14th Amendment 
saying that uh, the the two judges, Hirschkopf and Cohen, and the whole team of judges who have really helped writing the case at this point, um, such that, okay, so first it was accepted by the Supreme Court, like one in only hundreds of cases are accepted. So it was accepted. That was their first victory. So they pled the 14th Amendment saying that uh, the state does not have a right to say who you marry. This is a personal and individual um, decision made by two people. And it's the same you know, amendment, the same law that would get the uh, Obergefell same-sex marriage into the courts and through the courts and, you know, ruled in their favor. But they used the, the, the 14th Amendment. And the other thing that they used, I mean, that people have the right to marry who they want to marry. They also looked at the law in Virginia and with similar laws in many other states, mostly Southern, that said uh, you cannot have interracial marriage, but it only applied to white people and people of other colors. And it, it applied to you know white and Asian, white and Indian, white and Hispanic, but in white and black, of course. But um, and the judges argued that if it is only for the purity of one race that implies a superior race, and that is unconstitutional, and the the Supreme Court uh, ruled unanimously in their favor in the end. And Richard and Mildred were not there at the. They were invited. And I think Mildred would have liked to have come, but Richard just wanted it done with. What is so difficult? I just want to marry the woman. I live with the uh, woman I love with our children and my family. Can't the president just say, go home, lovings? That's what he wanted. And Mildred had a better understanding of the system and understanding that it was taking time and it was taking a lot of time. It would take nine years. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then Bernie Cohen called them and uh, said, "Would you come for the press conference?" And Richards, it was she was he was talking to Mildred. She was the 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 for, on the forefront in, within the family. And um, Richard said no. And Mildred said, "Well, Mr. Cohen says it's really important, and we really should come." And so they go, they take their kids to, you know, their, her sister's house and they go off to DC and there, and there's, there's footage of that, you know, which is very, you know, they're very soft spoken. And Mildred says, I hope that we're not only helping ourselves, but a lot of other people as well. So. At the end of the day, so we, we ask our guest experts the same question. Um, at the end of the day, if you had to pick a person or thing, it could be a concept that you think is to blame for the fact that this case even had to go all the way to the Supreme Court in order to allow interracial marriages. Who or what would that be? It's such a complicated <laughs> question. I mean, it harkens. Back to slavery. I mean, other countries are racist, but the United States has this hideous history 
of so many years of enslavement that um, I think the South in general never got over it. All the fights that they fought uh, through the years, through the 60s, um, that uh, they have never gotten over. This is, you know, I'm probably going to make a lot of enemies over the their southern plantation owner superiority and that is still a um a mindset for a lot of white people not only in the south but i think particularly in the south they want it the way it always was they thought that was great in this nation of immigration when we're all so beautifully diverse they want something that existed a century or two ago. Mm. I think it harkens back to that. Yes. Th- thank you so much for uh, joining us today and talking to us about this uh, legendary case. You're so welcome. If you'd like to hear our post-interview discussion and final verdict, head over to Patreon and subscribe. Your support is greatly appreciated. Check out our show notes for a link or head over to patreon.com slash the alarmist. Stay tuned because next week we're going to be discussing the death of Judy Garland. Powered by ACAST. 